Hi, I'm your host, Lillian Yang. And I'm your host, Fakri Shafai. And you are listening to Food Nonfiction, the incredible true stories behind food. To follow up on our episode on the origins of ketchup, this episode is about Henry John Hines, best known for his creation of Heinz ketchup. Because Heinz took lots of notes and he kept journals, a lot is known about him. After reading his biography, if I was to describe him in one word, the word would have to be responsible. He was both morally and financially responsible. Heinz lived a prolific and fulfilling 74 years, filled with a deep commitment to family, church, and work. This is his incredible true story. From 1840 to 1860, the U.S. population jumped from 17 million people to 31 million people. Millions of immigrants traveled to America, many from Germany. People were leaving Europe because of crop failures and political problems. Heinz's parents were part of this immigration wave. His father, John Henry Heinz, moved to America in 1840. His mother, Anna Margareta Schmidt moved to America in 1843. The pair met and married. In 1844, Henry John Hines was born. As a child, Hines helped both his mother and father with their work. He helped his mother in the garden and he helped his father in the brickyard. Incredibly, he would soon make businesses out of both these ventures, successfully selling vegetable products and bricks. When he was only nine, Heinz was taking baskets of surplus garden products to sell. When he turned 10, his parents gave him his own plot of land to garden. He expanded this piece of land to three and a half acres when he was 12. At the same time, Heinz also helped out at his father's brickyard. There, he learned about bulk processing and the importance of accurate recipes. To make bricks, different recipes of clays and crushed shale were used to make different qualities and types of bricks. When he was 15, Heinz started bookkeeping for the family brick business. By this age, he had worked several jobs. His mother wanted him to be a minister, but his passion was in business. He had great interest in increasing his sales of garden produce. Heinz's most well-known product was his bottled horseradish. It was popular because grating and pickling horseradish was tiring and unpleasant work. The pungent oils from the horseradish hurt the eyes, and you could scrape your knuckles doing the grating. Buying the horseradish already prepared was very convenient. For the rest of his career, Heinz would find enormous success in his strategy of selling convenience. When he was only 17 years old, Heinz sold $2,400 in horseradish. That's over $50,000 today. Here's why he was so successful. Heinz delivered his products daily. This way, grocers had less inventory to maintain and their products were fresher. His products were also of the highest quality. Unlike others who sold horseradish, he didn't add in fillers like sawdust and the products didn't have impurities like insects and animal waste. Heinz's family was devout, so he got his early education from the Lutheran Church in Etna. When he was older, he attended classes at Duff's Mercantile College, which was an evening business college that offered practical business courses. The school focused on bookkeeping, accounting, and business investment. Students were taught to put profits back in their businesses, which Heinz did. 
By 21, Heinz was successfully running a vegetable business and was full partner at his father's brickmaking business. His father trusted him so much that Heinz was left in charge of the brickyard so that his father could go back to visit Germany. This was in 1868, when Heinz was still in his early 20s. While his father was away, Henry built his family a new brick home, so that when his dad returned, it would be to a brand new, two-story Victorian home made of solid brick. This is an early example of how much Heinz cared for his family. Also in 1868, Heinz partnered up with Clarence Noble to start a company. Clarence was a friend and neighbor, and he happened to be from a very wealthy banking family. So Heinz did the sales, and Nobles did most of the financing for their new company. It was called Heinz and Noble Company, and it launched in 1869. They sold homemade products, including fruit preserves, mustard, pickles, and ketchup. But their main product was the bottled horseradish that Heinz had been selling since he was a child. They sold directly to housewives, grocers, hotels, and clubs. The quality of the products was obvious. Heinz used clear glass bottles, even though they cost more. This may seem normal today, but back then, most glass bottles were green or brown because those were the natural colors of the bottles without any of the extra processing. We should note that Heinz did not use totally clear bottles at the beginning. In the beginning, his bottles were clear enough to easily see through, but they were a light aqua color. It wasn't until 1878 that his production volume had increased enough that all his bottles were completely clear glass bottles. But the point is, you could always see into a Heinz bottle and see that any sauce you were buying was finely grated, with no lumps, and also no impurities. He cared about the quality of his product so much that he was willing to pay grocers to take his product off the shelves if they were spoiled. It was quality, quality, quality in all aspects of the business. His horses and wagons he transported his products in were kept perfectly groomed. In 1872, another brother from the Noble Banking family joined the company, and so it was renamed Heinz Noble and Company. In the 1870s, Heinz Noble and Company added tomato ketchup to their product line. Tomato ketchup was very popular by this time. Unfortunately, they probably didn't sell much of it before going bankrupt. So what happened? The company sold super high-quality products that people wanted, How did they go bankrupt in December of 1875? Let's step back a couple of years to the start of the problem. You've heard of Black Tuesday, the financial crisis that led to the Great Depression in the 1900s. Well, in the 1800s, there was Black Thursday. What is called the Panic of 1873 lasted from 1873 to 1879. The New York Stock Exchange shut down. There were bank failures, high unemployment rates, gangs, and riots in the streets. Here's what happened to Heinz during that time. In 1875, the company was overextended. They couldn't pay for the crops they had ordered, and they couldn't salt the crops that came in as the salting stations were overwhelmed. Heinz's partner, Clarence Noble, refused to put more money into the company. So Heinz's family and friends had to put their own money in to help out. Banks refused him any more credit, and the papers were publishing his failures. 
Grocers with inventories still being warehoused by the company worried they might not get their product and rushed to court and got a lien put on Heinz's inventory. Finally, rumors that Heinz was moving inventory caused him to be arrested for fraud. Henry John Heinz was 31, with a wife and two kids, and he was completely broke. During this time, his mother was his greatest source of strength. There was no money for presents that Christmas, but his mother gave him a card with a message that comforted him. It began, May the blessings of thy God wait upon thee, and the sun of glory shine round thy head. May the gates of plenty, honor, and happiness always open to thee and thine. He determined to pay everyone back, which is not legally required after bankruptcy. Amazingly, the Heinz family grouped together and began picking up the pieces as a family by the next year. They worked out positions, salaries, and shares amongst the family members and formed F&J Heinz Company on February 14, 1876. They began to sell horseradish, coming full circle to the beginning of the first Heinz Company. Their plan was to extend to other products, such as vinegar, sauerkraut, and pickles. The Heinz products were still a popular brand. Heinz's cousin, Frederick, was a huge asset to the company. He brought German farming techniques that were more advanced than American techniques. He knew the importance of seed development and worked to create hybrids that would make better products. Together, the Heinz family brought the company back on its feet. In 1888, the company was renamed H.J. Heinz when Henry John's brother, John Heinz, was bought out of the company. John had never been happy with being overshadowed by Henry John. He had often felt undervalued. In 1894, Henry John's wife, Sarah, became very sick. She had suffered for many years with rheumatism, and now she also had some form of sickness. Her situation became worse, and she developed double pneumonia. She died that year. In 1914, Heinz named a new charitable facility, the Sarah Heinz House, in her honor. In 1898, Henry John Heinz opened up a brand new factory. This was a one-of-a-kind industrial utopia. It was state-of-the-art and spotless. There were two roof gardens, one for males and one for females. There was musical entertainment at lunchtime. There were reading rooms and libraries. There was a gym and a swimming pool. Even a small hospital with full-time doctors. As well, there was a 1,500-seat auditorium with stained glass windows, used for lunchtime talks, singles dances, family events, and after-work events. Only his best and most loyal workers were moved to his new factory. In 1910, the H.J. Heinz Company was America's largest international company. Henry spent the last years of his life continuing with his Sunday school duties, spending time with his family and visiting the Pittsburgh factory. In 1919, Heinz became sick. Doctors diagnosed him with double pneumonia. He died on May 14, 1919. Hey food buffs, we hope you enjoyed our two ketchup episodes, Ketchup Before Tomatoes and The Life of Heinz. Our next episode ties into this topic. We will be talking about the food purity movement and the episode is called The Poison Squad. 
we have some iTunes shoutouts. We always love to thank our listeners for the lovely reviews. So this time we are reading some reviews from Australia and Canada. From Australia, thank you to Bunny P. Henderson and Mandy Maz for the reviews. We've gotten a couple of new reviews from Canada too. So thank you so much to WNSN. Not sure how to pronounce that except to read out the letters. Shout out to S. Min Calgary, The Lil Hen, and L O L A X Y Z 123. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And if you haven't gotten a chance to review us, please do so. It really does help us. So just go to iTunes and review us. And if you haven't liked us on Facebook, please do so. And if you'd like to write into us, write to feedback at foodnonfiction.com. We love hearing from you. All right, food buffs, hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.